Don't you wish you could know what God is like? What God cares about? How God feels about you? Don't you wish you could know whose side God is on? Such a human, childish question, isn't it? Nana, nana, boo, boo, God's on my side. Well, we can. We can know what God is like. We can know what God cares about. We can know what God feels about us. We can know whose side he's on. We can. The writer of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament said as much in the first chapter of Hebrews, he wrote, the sun, meaning Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, of God's being. Jesus himself is recorded as saying, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Stuff like that got him killed, saying that kind of stuff. If we want to know what God is like, we look at Jesus, and we know. Jesus is the face of God. Jesus is God revealed. Jesus is God. You see, this is the audacious claim of the Christian faith. And it matters for your life and mine. And we believe that even the details surrounding Jesus' birth can reveal God to us. So like Dave said, for Advent these next three weeks, as we prepare for the celebration of the birth of the Christ, this fact that Jesus is God revealed will be our focus. And so this morning, if you brought your Bibles, I'm going to look at, um, there's only two uh, birth accounts of Jesus in the Gospels. One is in Luke and one is in Matthew. We're going to look at the one in Luke this morning, Luke chapter 2. But before I dig in, I want you to know that uh, as we pick up the scriptures in this particular part of the scriptures, as Luke begins, we find ourselves in a painful time in Jewish history. The, the Jewish people, the chosen people of God, were living under King Herod, and they were living in oppression and occupation and despair, and they had been as a culture in a 450-year span of time where God, the God who spoke to them through Moses, the God who spoke to them through the prophets, was silent. 450 years, this group of people waiting to hear from God, desperately hoping beyond hope that the God who rescued them from slavery still saw them and still loved them and would choose to speak again to them and would rescue them. They were waiting for a savior. They were a people, as the prophet Isaiah wrote, waiting in the darkness. Waiting can often feel like darkness, can it? Waiting for something you can't quite put words to. Waiting to be rescued or to be healed, or to be reconciled, or to be seen, to be loved, to be forgiven, to be made new. And maybe you feel that way this morning. You're waiting in the darkness for something. Or maybe someone you love feels that way. 
Well, pay attention because the folks I'm about to introduce you to know how you feel. Let's start with Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 1. This is what Luke writes. He said, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Now, just a quick aside here. Luke writes this detailed information about history because he wants his readers to understand this is a real story that happened in real time to real people. It doesn't begin like a fairy tale in a land far away, long, long ago. No, this is real detail, real history. He continues, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for him. So Jesus is born, the one the world had been waiting for, the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ, the one whom the Jewish prophets foretold. And here's my question. After all these years of silence, to whom does God send his very first birth announcement to? A bunch of dirty, smelly guys in the field watching their sheep. That's who. Let's keep reading. Verse 8 says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. So Luke tells us the shepherds were in the dark, out in the field, just doing their thing, when the glory of the Lord decided to shine all around them. Which basically means the light of God blasted into their darkness. 450 years of a culture waiting for the voice of God to say anything to them. And all of a sudden, the good news comes in the form of this radiant light to the shepherds of all people. I just picture some guys in the middle of the night whistling, maybe having a burping contest or like a spitting contest. I don't know what guys do in the middle of the night in the dark, racing sheep or something, just going about their business. Nothing out of the ordinary going on. They weren't expecting anything to happen when all of a sudden the sky above them rips in two and they are scared out of their robes. They are lifted right up and out of their sandals. You know that feeling? Kind of like us when we're home alone or we're in a room alone and we think we're alone, right? We're not expecting anything and then someone appears all of a sudden and we just about pass out. My big brother, Tom, who's two years older than me, used to do this to me when I was a little child. It was kind of a habit of his, a little hobby. I was the perfect little sister because I was always terrified. And on the rare occasion, I wet my pants, which just gave my brother an immense amount of holiday joy. So this is kind of how I pictured the shepherds. And then listen to what happens, verse 10. But the angel said to them, 
Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The Greek word there is everyone, all of mankind, all of humanity. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. To you, shepherds. He is the Messiah, the Lord, the savior. And this will be a sign to you, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. First words out of the angel's mouth, do not be afraid. Three times already in the Gospel of Luke, this has happened. An angel has appeared to someone out of the blue. First word the angel says is do not be afraid, which is really, if you think about it, the message of Advent. And if you think about it really hard, it is the message of all of Scripture. So in this dark world this morning, if you find yourself a little bit like these shepherds, startled and terrified, maybe because of the state of the world around you, or about something related to money or a job, or your future or a relationship, or your kids, or a health issue, or the state of your own faith, do not be afraid. Just as this angel announced to these lowly shepherds, you see, I think there was all kinds of backstory behind this statement, do not be afraid. I feel like the angel was trying to get across this idea, do not be afraid because God has been up to something in your darkness. And God is up to something right now in your darkness, the darkness of this world, the darkness of injustice, the darkness of your life, even when you do not see him or hear him, just like the Jewish people, 450 years, even if you have given up hope, even when you feel like nothing's happening, God is at work in your life and in this world. And I believe God says the same thing to you and to me this morning, do not fear because I'm up to something in your life. Even when it feels like I'm far away and silent, I see you, I hear you, I love you. And I'm gonna shine my light into your life. You're probably gonna have to wait. And it'll probably happen when you least expect it. So what is this part of the Christmas story, this, this little snippet about God's glory shining into the dark night of the shepherd's ordinary watch. What does this part of the story reveal to us about who God is and what he's like? Well, there's so many things we could pull from this, but this morning what I want to explore just a little bit more is this idea that God is light which is, of course, a metaphor. I had to look up what a metaphor is. A metaphor is a symbol or an image that's used to describe a deeper reality. And, and, and all of our descriptors of God, who is beyond human understanding, we can't really describe him, all of our descriptors this morning are metaphor, which means that, yes, God is light, but no, light is not God, right? We don't worship the sun. 
Now, for those of you morning people in the crowd, maybe light is God to you. But for the rest of us, coffee is God. Okay? So just be quiet until we get our coffee. God is beyond what we can describe. So all we are left with are our best human efforts at saying God is like this. God is like a father. God is like a mother. God is like a shepherd. God is like a lion. God is like a lamb, a rock, a shelter, a refuge, a defender. God is light. And this metaphor, this image used to describe the deeper reality of who God is and what he's like is everywhere in scripture. From the very beginning from the first recorded words that come out of God's mouth where he says, let there be light, it's the first thing, and there was light. All the way to the very last chapter of the book of Revelation where, where John has this image of what it's gonna look like when God puts everything back together again. And he writes this, at that time, there will be no more night. And they, the people with God, will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. God is light from the very beginning to the very end. And then we move to the New Testament, and we have John, the gospel writer John, who also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John at the very end of the New Testament. He tells us this surprising little piece of information that the primary message Jesus came to bring is this. He writes, this is the message we have heard from him. So John's saying, this is the message we heard from Jesus, and we now proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So now if God is light and Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, what does that mean about Jesus? Opening chapter of the Gospel of John. John chapter one, verse four, we read, in him was life and that life, he's talking about Jesus, the word of God, that life was the light of all mankind. There's that phrase again everyone and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it such an important message a truth for us to hold on to as the darkness of winter descends over the midwest and oh my friends it will descend and so we light our candles we light our christmas trees we put our christmas lights out as signs that God is light, and the light that is in God and is in Jesus is life. That life is abundantly good and eternal life, and it's offered to everyone free of charge because unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and that son grows up and says about himself, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Fascinating, Alice. But what does that mean for me today? Why does it matter that God is light and in him is no darkness? Why does it matter that Jesus' birth announcement came in the form of God's radiant glory shining into the fields and the night where the 
dirty shepherds were watching their dirty sheep. Why does that matter for me? Well, let me say this first. God chose the shepherds to be first in line to receive this message of light. This wasn't some random thing like, let me just see who I run across first. This is there for a reason. You think about this scenario. Luke tells us, and there were shepherds living in the fields nearby. You got to know this. Shepherds, even though we portray them so sweetly in our little children's nativity scene, they were poor, outcast, rejected, uneducated, unqualified. They were the lowest of the low on every totem pole, overlooked by all the people, except when they tried to come into town or close to the temple, and their smell gave them away because they stunk like the sheep. And these guys didn't have regular houses. They were living in fields, in the open, away from other people. They were alone. They were separated. They were rejected. And I'd imagine this might make them sad sometimes. I don't know. Maybe a little disappointed in their life. In themselves, even. In their circumstances. And I was thinking about these shepherds, and I wondered... Have, have any of you ever felt that way? Alone? Maybe a little bit like an outcast somehow, in some way, from your family or for, from God? Or overlooked? You know, maybe you did all the right things in your life, and yet you're finding right now that your circumstances aren't turning out as you thought you would, they would. Or maybe this morning you walk in here ashamed or full of regret about some part of your life. Or maybe you're just lonely. You know, the holidays come and you can just feel the weight of loneliness settling in on your shoulders. I just figure in a room this size, half of us walk in with a smile on our face and a wounded heart. And I want to say, you know, with all the power that God gives me this morning, that this little detail of the Christmas story says to you and to me that because God is light and because he chose those stinky shepherds out in their fields and chose to shine the light of his glory into their dejected lives, because that is true, there is hope for us In whatever fields of loneliness or rejection or shame or sadness we find ourselves living in right now, because God is light, there is hope. And Luke continues. He said, not only that the shepherds were living out in the fields nearby, but the shepherds were keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now again, This little fact is not an accident. God, I believe, wanted to make this birth announcement in the night, in the dark, where things can be scary and the quiet is a little too quiet, if you know what I mean. It's disconcerting and you're looking around for danger. And you're a shepherd just waiting for the butt crack of dawn to tell you that you survived another night. That 
little quip was for all the seventh grade boys who came to church this morning. The butt crack of dawn, I said it right at church. And for your dads, because you guys know that's funny. (laughs) I had to ask permission to say that. So this darkness of night these shepherds were in, there's deep, deep symbolism going on here about what darkness is. I read this about darkness and what it stands for. It says, darkness is the emblem of distress, trouble, perplexity, and sorrow. Darkness is the emblem of distress, trouble, perplexity, and sorrow. That's where God's light finds these shepherds. And that's where God's light too often finds me. I feel in the dark more often than I would care to admit. Distressed about things in our world that I know I don't have the power to fix. Shoot, I feel distressed about all the stuff in me that I can't fix. I feel troubled about injustice and situations that are hard and people who I know are hurting. It troubles my soul. I feel perplexed and confused about how to best focus my life, about what next steps I should take. I feel sorrow in my heart about my past, about things I've done. I feel sorrow about the evil and the darkness in the world and what it does to people. I feel sorrow about the darkness in my own soul. You? I bet the shepherds felt some of that that night in the dark. They weren't expecting this to happen. I wonder if they were thinking, is this all there is, God? Is this my life? And then what does Luke tell us happened next? (laughs) Right into that darkness, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I bet it was the brightest light they had ever seen. These lonely outcasts standing in the dark, this light breaks in, and the message was, don't be afraid. I have good news of great joy for all of humanity, for everyone. And I think... This matters because it is a message to us from God that when we feel in the dark about our life or about the world or when we feel the darkness inside our own soul, the light of God's glory and goodness, when it appears, will be at its brightest. When our darkness is at its most dark, God's light, when it appears, and it will, will be at its brightest. Will it be terrifying? Probably. But it will also be its most healing, at its most hopeful, at its most life-changing. Because hear this truth, God's light always brings the message of good news, of great joy for all people, always. And and God's light even brings that message of goodness to those of us who are hiding from that light 
because we believe there's too much darkness in our own souls to bear up under us. We believe that light is out to get us or that light is gonna kill us, but that's not true. Even then, even for those of us who are trying to hide our darkness from God, his light is good news of great joy. God is light and in him is no darkness at all, none. That means that God is the polar opposite of darkness. He's the polar opposite of distress, trouble, perplexity, and sorrow. So when we face distress, God is our refuge. When we are in trouble, God is our rescue. When we are perplexed, God is our clarity. And when we feel sorrow, God is our healer. And God specializes in showing up with his light in the most unexpected places. He shows up first right after the miraculous birth of Jesus. Where? In the temple? Nope. In the homes of the priests and the teachers of the law, the religious people? Nope. He shows up to King Herod? Nope. Does he show up to those ordinary, respectable religious people? Nope. Where does God's light first shine the announcement of the good news of great joy that will be for all the people? Out in the dark fields, into the lives of ordinary, overlooked, unwashed, uneducated, unworthy, stinky shepherds who were just doing their job, whistling in the dark, like all the rest of us. And you know what I think those shepherds would want us to know this morning, some 2,017 years later? There is no darkness into which God's light won't shine. No darkness of circumstance, no darkness of grief or sadness or loneliness. And listen to me, there is no darkness inside of us, hidden or exposed, into which God through Jesus, won't shine his light. There is no darkness stronger than God. So whatever darkness you're facing or whatever darkness is inside of you, it can't defeat the light of Jesus, not even the darkness of death. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So let me close with this very personal word. God is light. But this world is still really, really dark. And each one of us, every single one of us, are going to walk through times that feel darker than dark. I know because I've been there. And some of you have been there too. Or maybe you're there today. Or you will be. 
And when you're in that place, it is going to feel as if this God who is light is completely absent. It's going to feel as if he's gone silent. And you will feel blind and scared and alone and confused. It will feel like the valley of the shadow of death. But here's what I know to be true. King David, a shepherd, wrote these words some 1,000 years before the shepherds in our story today were terrified by the glory of God's brilliant birth announcement. And David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. And then he wrote, And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of darkness, I will not fear any evil, because he is with me. The light of the world will comfort me. I'm going to invite Brad and Katie out to sing a song about the power of this kind of light. But I want you to remember this. No matter how dark it gets, or no matter how dark it is, hold on like those shepherds whistling in the dark held on because the light of the world is on his way. I pray that you'll listen now to these words beautifully sung and just give God some time to help you meditate on the power of this truth that he is light and in him is no darkness.
God, you are light, and in you is no darkness at all. Jesus, you are the light of the world. And those of us who follow you can walk in that light, and we can feel your presence. We can read your words. We can be inhabited and comforted by your spirit even when we walk through what feels like the shadow of the deepest darkness. So God, as we enter into this season of waiting for the anticipation of the celebration and remembrance 
of your light breaking through into the darkness of this world through Jesus. Help us light candles and turn on our Christmas lights and light our trees, not as just simple traditions, but as reminders to our hearts that because you are light and because you chose those shepherds who did nothing to deserve to be the people who received your first message of hope, so we too can be recipients of your grace and your good news that will be great joy for everybody. God, be our light in our darkest places. Amen. Thank you.